Good morning, Northwest. It's great to see you this morning, and welcome to our second service. Are you glad to be here in the house of the Lord? That's right. Air high fives to all of you. Um, I've asked uh, Joy and uh, Sarah to come up on the stage right now. We, if you don't know, have actually started a campaign to expand our church. And um, we have gone to the place where we've run out of space on so many different levels. And this is why we've created this new vision, this new uh, step forward to say we need to find another place that will be bigger, uh, not just in the auditorium, but the entire buildings too, because we've run out of space on so many different levels. And um, so we have, a, we have a board that uh, is overseeing this, a team that's overseeing this whole process. And uh, we're excited about that. We, we really feel that God has given us the permission to move forward with us. And we've asked, uh, we asked Joy and uh, Micah to actually oversee the communication of this vision as well to everybody so that we can all be connected as well. So I've asked Joy to, to bring testimonies to the table, you know, because we need to be encouraged. Tell us more about this, Joy. And I have come bearing gifts. Um, I'm so excited. The, big, the, the biggest thing that I want to convey to you today is that we're not just raising money to get a new building, but we really are building something big, and that's vision, that's change for Orlando. We want to impact Orlando, and, and that's what I'm excited about. So I was like, sign me up. I want to get people excited about this because this church has changed my life, and I want to share with you today some of the vision, why we want a bigger building. Um, this is Sarah Swindell, and she is the director of the Northwest Dance Studio, and she's going to share with you a little bit about the future vision of the dance team, but I want you to know that more than just filling the seats on Sunday mornings, this church is impacting the city every day of the week, and, and some people may never come in here yet to hear um, the word of God, but we are impacting them through dance and through other things, and so I'm going to ask Sarah to share why should we build why should we keep moving forward? Thank you so much, Joy. Well, I am so excited about this campaign because my vision no longer fits the stage. My vision that I have, not only for the production team, but for the dance studio, it doesn't fit in this building anymore. And I'll give you a little example of what I mean by when I say I have a vision. We meet just about every Tuesday, the creative team, to go over ideas and what our next big project is. And... Some of you might have seen Noah, the story of us. And that for me was probably, what you guys saw was probably my plan, like Z. Let me tell you what plan A in my mind was. A huge metal arc. It was the size of this whole stage. And it was suspended in the air, all right? And all the dancers were doing their aerial work up in the air and in the audience. I really wanted the, the audience to feel a part of this. So I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have really large puppets, you know, like jellyfish and fish, and they're going to come through the audience and maybe go through the aisles. And I want them to experience it even more. I want it to rain. Somehow, how can we actually get it to rain in this building? Maybe we need misters, you know, something. We need wind. We need, and, and Nate was on board. Nate, Hannah was on board, and I'm, here I am casting this vision, and I opened my eyes, and it wasn't quite greeted with such enthusiasm. <laughs> but why I am so excited, because right now I know this vision can't hold that. Pastor Peter said, Sarah, this is what we have, and this is you. 
And you know what? I wasn't discouraged because I'm like, you know what? God's given me this vision. I have this in my heart. I know he's planted it for a reason. Now we just need a, bu- a building. We need a building that can have us flying from the ceilings <laughs> and animals coming down the aisle and maybe even raining. So I'm really excited. Not only that, even we've outgrown the dance studio. We have hundreds of kids that come in, and they're actually performing this weekend for Lovely Junior. They performed last week for Lovely. And that is exciting. That is so exciting. So not only are we we training them in dance skills, we're also teaching them about what being a lovely girl is, their confidence, and their self-image. So I am excited. I have lots of vision. The other idea I have for the dance studio is I want it to have a collaboration with art classes. So maybe we have art going on at the same time we have dance and music. So when we come together with an idea, okay, Miss Moggy, Miss Linda, can you go and do a painting for us? Jared and Wes and Joel, can you write us a song for this dance and for the production? So it was a team, a huge team that I have, I have the vision for. So now we just need a building. <laughs> You're it. <laughs> One, thing, one last thing I want to mention is that we need a bigger building because if you haven't noticed, whenever we do big productions, how many different plays do we have? Like four. And can you imagine the toll on all of the dance team to do that four times, um, three times in one day? And that's because we reach out to almost 2,000 people with those productions and we can't fit 2,000 in here. So how much better, how much more energy could there be if they only have to do that once and we go big? They have to have different dance teams because they can't all fit on the stage at one time. So they each have to do one show. How incredible would that be to see all 100 students on the, on the stage? So that's why we are building. Not just because we need a new building, but we want to impact the teens and the, the young girls and even the guys of this church, of this city, um, by growing. So thank you very much. If you have testimonies, you're going to be hearing more vision and more testimonies because we cannot outgive God. And for those of you that have committed to the building campaign, if God is already moving in your life, please find me. Um, you can call the office and get my email. It should be on the website. But I want to know because I want to make sure that everybody knows that God is moving and he is responding to us saying, yes, use us. We will build. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. Who's excited about what God has in store for us? It is good. It's absolutely wonderful. This morning, we're going to be starting a new series called Church Builders, and we're going to be talking about building the church. And this is not just about building a building, but it's about building the church, the people, And um, because God has given this vision to us that is now outstripped the size of the resources we have, we also must look to God to understand what steps must we take in order to fulfill the things that you have called us to do. So that's why we're doing this series called Church Builders. And so I want to start off by uh, reading from Joshua. Uh, We're going to be, if you've got your own Bibles or your own smartphones, we're going to be reading from chapter 6 or 7 and starting off with that. But um, I'm actually going to read the first few verses that isn't on the screen for you, and then we'll skip over to uh, chapter 6 and 7 there and forward. And it says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. 
into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea in the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers and give them. And this is where we pick up. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Thanks be to God for his word. A few months ago, I I, uh, taught about how the Israelites were moving to the promised land and how they began in the land of Egypt, which is the land of slavery, and then they moved into the desert, uh, and they were there for a much longer period than they should have been, and then they ended up crossing over the Jordan into the promised land. This is the guy, Joshua, that we just read about, who is now about to lead them into the promised land. And we said that the land that they were in with under, uh, under slavery in Egypt was the land of not enough. And then they moved into the land of just enough because God gave them manna every day, just enough for every day, and never more than what they should have for the next day. And then thereafter, they moved over to the promised land where it says that it was overflowing with milk and honey. Not just enough, but overflowing with milk and honey. And we believe that our vision for what God has called us to do as a church is that we're in this precipice where we have lived in a place where at one time maybe we had more than enough when we first had this building, but we've been in this place for the last few years where we've got just enough to do the things that God is calling us to. And we really see this vision that we're meant to move into a place where it's more than enough. And I'm very excited about that because to be honest, my mind and my heart has already moved over there. It's already moved to a place of more than enough. But before they actually were about to walk into the land of more than enough, before they crossed over the river of Jordan into the promised land, God gives this very clear word with very clear instructions to Joshua and then tells Joshua, tell this to everybody else. And they were expected to take this to heart, to understand what God had told them to be careful of, to watch for, to guard in in themselves before they went into the land of more than enough. And I believe that the word that God gave them was this, and you can see it in the scripture that we've just read, is that he talks about their morale and their morality, He said, guard your morale and guard your morality. And then he repeats himself in the other way around and he says, guard your morality and guard your morale. I think of it as a coin. Now, when you look at a coin, usually most coins have it such that there's a head on one side and what's on the other side? It's not tails. There is no tail there, right? (laughs) You ever noticed that? Head or tails? I've never seen a tail on the other side of the coin, right? But there's something there. There's something on the other side. 
There's something that maybe it's a, an eagle, maybe it's whatever is the representative of the state or whatever it is, but on one side there's a head and on the other side there's actually something else. Now it seems like when we're talking about morale and morality that those two things shouldn't really have that much to do with each other, but God has connected these two together and said, pay attention to this because one is affected by the other and the other is affected by one. Just like a coin. And so as I'm looking at this, I can see that I'm looking at a coin, I can flip the coin. My morality is the value or the value that I put into my morality absolutely affects the value that I have in my morale. The value that I have in my morale will eventually affect the the, the value in my morality, always eventually. Maybe not straight away, but it will happen eventually. So I'm asking myself this question, what is it then that affects our morale and our morality? Well, when he was saying be be, be strong and be courageous, and he went on to talk about what they should do in order to be strong and be courageous, I was starting to think about this, and I was thinking, what is it that affects my morale? And it's quite simple. There's three things that I can see that directly affect my morale, and it's this. It's myself, it's others, and it's God. Why would I affect my own morale? I affect my own morale because I decide what I think I'm capable of. And it's all wrapped up in our expectations. If I expect myself to achieve something great, I take on a vision for myself, if I fail at that, or if the vision doesn't seem to manifest itself for a much longer period than what I expected it to uh, come about, then sometimes your hope starts to diminish, right? Your faith starts to diminish. You lose hope. You stop believing that God maybe gave you this vision, that you actually have the capable, capability in order to fulfill the expectations that you have about yourself. Expectations in others also affect us. Now, there are two others that are in our lives. There's our family and friends, that's the people who are closest to us, and there are our enemies, our challenges, the people who are in front of us. Now, maybe they're the same person sometime. My apologies to you, but sometimes they do end up that way. But when you have your family or your friends, you have a hope in them, you have a trust in them, you have a certain expectation that they should live up to a certain standard. Whether your standard is right or wrong, it's still an expectation within you. You desire them to treat you a certain way. You desire them to act a certain way. You desire them to talk to you and to love you or give you attention in a certain way. And when that expectation isn't met, that's when morale sinks. The other side of that, of that part of others is your enemies, the people who are in front of you, the challenges that are put in front of you. And it's easy to, for your morale to sink when these enemies start to overcome you through intimidation. It doesn't mean that they actually have to do anything against you. All it takes is intimidation. Excuse me. Believe it or not, this is what happened to the generation before the one that went over to the promised land. See, their mothers and fathers were actually overcome by the intimidation of the enemy. Moses took 12 uh, uh, guys from each tribe and he sent them over into the promised land. He said, go scout out what God has called us to take. And they went over and they they came back and, and all of them said, wow, the place is flowing with milk and honey. You have never seen such great 
resources and treasures. You've never seen so much uh, uh, availability of what God would want to give to us. It's amazing. And two of them said, we can do it. And the other 10 went, no, we can't do it. They can't do it because they said the, the people who are in that land are giants. We are grasshoppers in their eyes. Their morale sunk. They felt intimidated because their eyes were on those giants. And the amazing thing is it only took 10 people to affect thousands. In fact, thousands of people were directly affected by the words of 10 men directly affected by the words of 10 men, yet not one of those thousands of people had verified or seen whether there were giants, right? There was no verification. Is that true or not? Well, he said it is, so therefore it must be true. But none of them had verified that. Any one of them could have swum across the river and went, let me just check out for myself here. Yeah, there are giants, or these guys are not as big as what he said, right? And so it's important for us to understand how much we're affected by our expectations of what our friends and family say and what our intimidations are from our enemies. Our expectations can be diminished and our intimidation can then go up with our enemies too. And so we're affected in our morale by ourselves, by others, our friends, family, and enemies, and by God. This is where it really sinks in, I find, as Christians. Because maybe you can resist the disappointments that exist with your family or with yourself. But when it comes to God, it really cuts you down. It really pulls the rug from underneath your feet. Oftentimes when God tells us to do something or he even gives you a promise of, I will fulfill the desires of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things that you desire shall be added to you. But what we don't realize is that maybe his time schedule is different from my time schedule. Maybe his ways are entirely different from my ways. Imagine that. I personally experienced that. Maybe I'm the only Christian in town that has. But what I found is when God says, this is what I want you to do or I want you to, to, to stick on this particular path and then you keep going, you keep going, you're like, God, are we there yet? 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 And then you tire out and you just don't have any more in the gas tank. Is that right? And it's amazing how disappointment with God leads to this. Disappointment always leads to division. Now, I don't mean it in the sense of that you're trying to be divisive against God or divisive against your friends or even divisive against your own goals, but simply that when someone disappoints you, what you tend to do is withdraw from them. You withhold your love. You withhold your attention. You withhold your support. You withhold your words. It's difficult to encourage them or to even point out the good things in them because they've disappointed you. My expectations were here and you delivered right there. And we stop allowing ourselves to be in their presence. We stop allowing ourselves to be uh, uh, open to their words. In fact, their words are always second-guessed in your mind. I'm sure no one has ever experienced that before. <clears throat> and expectations that are not delivered lead to disappointment then lead to a place where you often feel rejected or you maybe feel hurt by that person and then in your heart, you naturally start to divide yourself from them. Maybe in a self-protective type of manner. You can't afford for them to hurt you anymore so you divide yourself from them. 
But the fact is, what I find is if I lower my expectations about that person, my heart's wide open to them. Not too many amens, but thanks very much for that one. <laughs> right? If I lower my expectations, they can over-deliver, and then I'm not disappointed by them. But it's not about that we have low expectations of people, but it's simply that we know where to set our expectations. We simply know where to put our eyes. Because you see, the problem with morale and when morale sinks is that it directly affects morality. I've seen this in families. I've seen it in my own family. And the problem with morale, when morale sinks, it's not that a Christian consciously usually chooses to say, well, screw it. I'm getting drunk and late tonight. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my own thing. People don't consciously choose to go off and do things that they know is sin. It's simply, it starts with this. I don't care anymore. I just don't care to hold up righteousness. I don't care to have to fight, to have to spend time in the Word anymore because it doesn't seem like it works. I don't care to spend time praying to God because it doesn't seem like it works. I don't care to keep going towards the vision that He's called me to because it doesn't seem to be working. We start giving up on the things, the tenets, the commands, the, the morality that we have put our faith upon and then before you know it, you're either doing something you never guessed you would do you're doing something where you trade in your morality. You trade in your integrity in business. You trade in your sexuality in relationship. You trade in what you allow into your mind and you watch junk on TV. You trade in what you, what you do in order, what you believe is a good relationship with your family. And you start trading in the things that you have said are tenants. And maybe if your morale sinks, your morale might be directly affecting someone else's morality, which is what I often find with families. Listen, I'm going to confess, I've got it in my family too, that with a, the disintegration of one marriage, I found that some of my nieces and nephews have stopped walking on the faith. They stopped walking with God. And eventually they let the little creep come into their lives, which is the, the creep of sin. It's the creep of these things coming in. And it's simply because they, they, they have lost their morale. And when you actually stop trusting in other people or you stop trusting in God, you're actually believing that he's withholding something from you. You see, this tactic is not new in the world or the playbook of the enemy. He did this with Adam and Eve. All he did was second guess God in the ears of Eve. And what I found is this, and in this scripture we're gonna see, is that there are two things that God is warning us to keep guard of in order to make sure that our morality doesn't sink and our morale doesn't sink. And it's this. He says, guard your eyes and guard your ears. And I'm gonna read two scriptures and I'll explain them to you. He says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. And then later on in verse eight, he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, right? When you are looking towards God or you're looking towards the vision that he has called you to do, it's easy to change the focus of your eyes on your friends or your family and what they think or what they believe 
But now that you put your attention on them, they not only maybe disappoint you, but now you're taking in what they have said when the fact is we've got to look towards God. Or we look to the right and look towards what the enemy says and what his intimidations are, and then we start losing heart. And what always happens is we start to second guess God. The problem with that is it's the same tactic that the enemy used on Eve in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that? He didn't even say that God didn't say it. He just said, did God really say that? And what we do is we start wondering, well, if God, maybe he didn't say that. And if he didn't say that, then maybe he is meaning something else. He's hiding something from me. He's withholding something from me. Maybe God doesn't love me as much and rejection sets in. We start second guessing God and then we make decisions based on our own understanding or thinking and in direct uh, contradiction to what he told us to rather than taking some time, putting our knees on the ground and say, God, I'm not too sure, but what is it you want me to do? What is it you have told me to do? Which way should I go? Instead of taking the report of of your good friends who have gone into the promised land and said, it ain't worth doing that. Instead of taking the report of your family who said, don't cross over, it's too big, it'll kill you. Instead of taking the report of the intimidation of your enemies, maybe we should get on our knees and say, God, what have you told us to do? He says this very carefully. Be careful to obey and be careful to do. He knew that as soon as they were going to be crossing over, they were now moving away from the land of legislation and they were now moving into the land of application. We can talk about conquering giants all we want. We can conquer, talk about conquering uh, uh, Goliath. We can talk about all these great ideas that God is calling us to do. But now get off your, your butts and get across that river and start taking and start taking that land that I have given you. Start taking on these enemies and go conquer the things that I've told you to do. It's time to move into application and move away from legislation. Hello. Let me hear an amen. Amen. This is the time I believe that God has called us to move into. But let me tell you, if your legislation in your heart is not clear and the first command he gives us is, is, is to respect and to honor and to worship God alone. First command he gives us. Second one repeats it. Third one repeats it. The first part of the 10 commands is keep me at the front of your attention. Keep me at the front of your mind. Do not sway to the left or to the right. Keep it on your lips. And he says, even speak it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. Why? Because words come out of your mouth and go back into your ears. Words come out of your mouth and go into the ears of your children, your wife, your husband, your friends, whoever it is. Words come out of your mouth, they're coming out of their mouths, and you have to decide whose report are you going to believe. You know what I love about this? Is Joshua said, you know, I'm going to be wise and smart about this. I'm going to send a couple of spies into the land. Why? to size up the enemy? No, no, no. Did he send the, 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 the two spies to go figure out, should we go or shouldn't we go? No, no, no. He had already made his decision he was going to go. And what he did was he decided not to take a quorum or a, or a poll or a democracy of, let's, take, let's make this fair and take one from each tribe and send them all in to find out what happens. He tried that before 40 years ago. He decided to send in two people that he knew he trusted. 
What is it that he trusted? For them to tell him what he wanted to hear? No, he trusted them to listen to God, to look for where God is. And you can see it in their answer. The first part they say is, they, say, they said to Joshua when they came back, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. Did, had God given it to them yet? They didn't even have it in their hands, but they're saying, we believe God, surely he's given it to us. They didn't trust what they saw. They didn't trust what any other murmurings or thoughts were. They trusted what God had been telling them for 40 years, and they said, just to be clear, Joshua, we still believe what God has told us. We went and looked at it and went, dang, this is exactly what God is telling us to take. And then what happened was, the second part of that, they said, and all the people are melting in fear because of us. What they spied and spotted in the other camp was this. They saw that their morality was down. They saw that their morale was down. They were trembling in fear. Why? Because their eyes were on each other and their eyes were on their enemies. Their eyes weren't on God. There was only one person in that whole of Jericho whose eyes were on God, and she took a bold step to say, I know your God is the right God and I want to be a part of your party. And she's the one who hid the spies and helped them. Her name was Rahab. She was a prostitute. She hung down a huge big red scarlet thing out of her window and that's the only house that didn't fall when they conquered Jericho. They saw the faith in one person and said, we're for you. Then they saw the lack of faith and the wrong, the wrong spirit in other people and said, we're not going to be a part of that. You're the one we're going to conquer. What a beautiful story that turns out that Rahab was the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Wow. So those who have believed the report of the Lord, who have put their eyes on heaven and on the call of what God has called them to do are the ones that will inherit the promised land. They will inherit what Jesus does on the cross. They will inherit everything that he has won back from the enemy and taken back into his own kingdom. I wanna be a part of that lineage. So I'm gonna ask you this morning, whose report are you gonna believe? Mine? I hope not. Are you gonna believe the report of your friends or your enemies? No, believe the report of what God is telling you. Make sure it's in your heart first. And when you're about to go into the land of application, into the land of more than enough, be very clear to constantly keep your mind and your heart, your, your lips and your eyes and your ears on the word of God, always saying, this is what you told me to do, so I'm gonna stick with that. I know what you're saying, but this is what God's told me to do. I know that sounds like junk, but this is what God has told me to do. Stay the course, look at the vision that God has given you, and see how he will connect the dots together for you. Maybe you've got reason to believe why there's some people around you that will not be a part of that vision. That's none of your business. Your business is to be a part of what God has called you to do. Let God deal with this person and deal with that person. Let God take them down the path of readying them for the promised land. You be about what God has called you to do and I will see, we will see the body of Christ come together and do the things that God has called us to do. So as we end this morning, I want us to stand this morning and I want us to raise our hands before God and we have a decision and a choice to make whether we want to be mindful of what God is calling us to do. Because let me tell you, if you do cross over and your mind is not on your morale and your morality, you're gonna be, uh, what's the word? You're gonna be a casualty. Because war is coming. 
Swords will swing. Enemies will come. Battles will be in front of us. God's not calling us to comfort. He's calling us to conquest. And the same vision that he gave Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden still stands true for us today. And that is to occupy and to multiply. Father, we are asking that your spirit that was in Joshua, oh my gosh. Father, please, we're asking that you would ramp up that spirit within us. The spirit of believing in the mighty God, the host of hosts, the one that would not follow any man's tactics but would do it a different way. The one who made us walk around a city and only by a shout did that city fall down. Oh God, your ways are greater than ours. Forgive us, Father, for losing hope, for our strength diminishing by not spending time in your presence for those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, will exchange their strength. What is it that God has called you to do? Be about that business. And if it doesn't look like he fulfills it, do not lose hope. Do not let your expectations wane or go somewhere else. But let it be on the one who fulfills all the promises. He is the God of a promise that has never been broken. Same God then, same God today. So we choose to trust in you once again. Oh God, stir up that spirit within us. Stir up that spirit within us. Stir it up within us, oh God. Let us see the vision once again. Let's believe what you have called us to do. You're our Father and we'll only be about your business. I pray, Father, now that you would bless everybody from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. And if you need to do some repentance, take the time right now to do it. Because repentance is the fastest way to get into the presence of God, guaranteed satisfaction or your money back. Oh God, we repent now to get back into your presence. We're sorry, Father, for looking to the left and looking to the right. Sorry, Father, for looking at the enemies and the giants. Sorry, Father, for thinking it was, it was incapable, that something was beyond you, God. But everything is possible with you, oh, Father. Sorry, Father, for that. We put ourselves back into place with you. We repent. We take your spirit back into us. And we spring up a spirit of joy. And we say, surely the Lord has given us the whole land, not half the land, not a piece of the land, but the whole land. Surely the Lord has put it into our hands. Surely the Lord has made the enemies melt in front of us, oh God. Stir up your spirit, oh God. Stir up your spirit, oh God. Stir up your spirit, oh God. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Have a great day.